0: Back to the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to Who, the always wonderful, and might I add, handsome host of this podcast, multimedia journalist and graphic designer, Miller Thomas. So please go check out my website, millerthomas 24myportfoliocom On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design for today's show We are, what are we talking about today? We got a few things to talk, we got a full slate of things to talk about today. We got Justin Turner news, we find out about whether he's getting punished or not for going onto the field after finding out he tested positive for COVID. We got some Mets news about the sale of their team. We got some Red Sox news and whether or not who they're... uh, well, we got some Red Sox news. We find out who their next manager is. I'll tell you who their next manager is. And we found out there's another guy on the trade market who I think would be beautiful for the Arizona Diamondbacks if they could net him. So I'll tell you all that Mets news, trade targets, uh, Red Sox news, a whole lot. Justin Turner news, a whole lot to talk about. But first, if your company is interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks to listen to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men in the age range, this is your spot. Plus, our rates to the most reasonable around. Email me at LockedOnDiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. Now, let's first start with this. I want to talk about the... Mets sale of uh, their franchise and it's no longer purchased by the Wilpon family after 34 years they have finally sold the Mets. I'm sure Met, I know Mets fans right now Mets fans are rejoicing around the country. They didn't like Wilpon and not only did they lose the Wilpon family, they also lost the whole front office basically the Mets cleaned house today. GM Brody Van Wagenen and much of his front office are leaving the Mets. The team announced today special Assistant to the GM, Omar Minaya, is gone. Assistant GMs, Alard Baird and Adam Gutridge are gone. So they're cleaning house with the Mets. And, you know, the Mets could finally be looking up. We saw the Mets in the World Series not too long ago. It wasn't too long ago, uh, what was 2015, the same year the Carolina Panthers went to Super Bowl in the NFL. It wasn't too long ago the Mets were in the Super Bowl. And they, they, we thought the Mets were going to be a team... That was around for a hot minute. I mean, look at that 2015 team. That roster was not insane, I want to say. It wasn't like a super deep lineup or anything. But that rotation that they had was phenomenal. They had a stack rotation that year, led by Jacob deGrom still, who, you know, has been one of the best players in baseball for a while now. But you also had Matt Harvey on that team, who was an ace. Noah Syndergaard on that team, too. He had three elite starters. Bartolo Cologne, surprisingly, at 42, <laughs> was on that staff. I totally forgot him. About that so and then you Familia as familiar as your closer was just dominant they had a great bullpen and this Mets team was just really good it was a team that people thought was going to be around for a minute uh, Lucas Duda was on this team he fell off pretty quickly that starting lineup was not very good but that rotation was stacked and they had Steven Matts coming in right after that so people really liked that team they lost in the wild card the year after but ever since Matt Harvey got hurt that Mets team has gone down and we haven't seen them since and Rudy Van Wagen he's made a lot of questionable trades during his time as a Mets GM I know a lot of baseball guys don't like Brody there are a, a lot of guys are happy to see him leave and it's really because of this one massive trade that Brody did and it's a trade that people just absolutely crushed Brody for and it's the trade that netted the Mets Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz now at the time or you still might think you at the time I don't, I don't know what your guys feelings on it was but Kanoa was obviously past his prime. I think getting Kanoa back in that deal with this contract uh, situation as well, he was still a very highly paid player. I mean, the guy is still on the Mets, so I didn't think he was worth that contract at all. I mean, the year he was coming off with the Mariners, he was still pretty good. He was an all-star, 23 bombs. Batted 280, played 150 games, and he was an MVP candidate. Finished eighth in MVP voting back in 2016, just uh, just two years prior to the Mets trading for him. But still, we knew what kind of a we knew Cano was definitely in the decline, especially coming off the the 2018 season he had, the season right before he got acquired. It definitely looked like he was in the decline. Definitely wasn't the same level of Cano. And then you looked at his contract too. Not only did you acquire him at 35, and he was getting paid a good amount of money. Money, but he was due to make uh, a lot more after that. And you also acquired him after he got suspended for, for steroids. So you're already getting a guy in the decline, coming off a of PED suspension, coming, uh, you know, a massive salary. He's getting paid still $24 million a year for the next three seasons, 2021, 20, 22, and 23, until age 40. Robinson Cano will be making 24 a year from the Mets. And it's <laughs> just an awful deal. But Cano wasn't the breadwinner in that trade. As much as Cano has the name value, he, he's the guy that people remember because he is a New York guy. Remember, he was a former New York Yankee, so the Mets probably thought, look at us. We're getting a former Yankee, a former New York guy. He knows how to handle the pressure, and I do agree with that. I do like that logic, but not for a guy uh, of Cano's caliber for where he was in his twilight for where he was in his career the twilight of his career but i did like the other guy they got back in that deal edwin diaz who was a superstar that year before they acquired him he led the american league with 60 or 57 saves but 65 games finished both of those led the league actually finished eighth in cy young voting in 2018 so i didn't think it was a bad deal at all if you got edwin diaz back in the deal now why people hated the deal so much one because Edwin Diaz in 2019 was absolutely garbage. 5.59 five, ERA gave up uh, 36 earned runs in 58 innings. Gave up 15 home runs. Uh, strikeouts per nine was still insane. 15.4 strikeouts per nine. But his whip uh, you know, almost doubled. It went up like 80%. The guy just did not look like himself. And granted, he had a nice bounce back in 2020. 1.75 ERA, six saves. He looked really good this year. But he was promoted in 2019, so people didn't like it. You know, in hindsight, immediately after that 2019 season, they thought it was an awful deal. But it's still time for the deal to be, you know, rejuvenated just a little bit because Edwin Diaz still has time. But the reason why people mostly hated it is because the Mets gave up two top 10 prospects. They gave up, uh, I'm looking for the Justin Dunn, who I know is one of the top prospects for the Mets at the time, and now he's already graduated to the big league for the Mariners. He hasn't been lights out or anything on the big league. As a rookie, he had a pretty nice ERA. He only started four games as a rookie, but had a 2-7 ERA. He only gave up two earned runs and 6.2 innings pitched, so he barely you know, pitched at all as a rookie, even though he says he has four starts. And then this season, 2020, 10 starts. 4-3-4, 4-3-4, you right, you don't like 10 home runs allowed in 45 innings pitch, uh, 6.1 walks per nine, you don't like that at all, but granted, he actually cut it in half from last season, he was at 12.2 walks per nine, so Justin Dunn so far, even though he's going to be 25, he is 25 right now, he hasn't lived up to any expectations, and the other top 10 prospect that the Mets gave up was Jared Kalenic, and I know, I just know people hate it when prospects are given up, but I'm not a guy, I've told my philosophy before on this pod, I'm not a guy who gets upset when you give up some prospects, because I'll rather, I'll rather get the, you know, the, the quality guy already on the major league level, the guy who's already proven on the big league level, and entering the 2020 season, you know, Kalenic was a... a was this? I'm looking at Baseball America, Major League, Baseball.com, Baseball Prospectus. This guy was a consensus top 10 overall prospect, not just in the Mets, uh, or I guess Mariners organization now. So not just a top 10 prospect in the Mariners organization, but top 10 prospect, the whole sport of baseball. So this guy's been lighting it up. Uh, right now he's in Peoria. He was in the Arizona Fall League in 2019, and he had a pretty good Arizona Fall League there. And then he was between low A, high A, and double A in 2019 as well when he was in the minors outside of the fall league and he had pretty good stats 23 home runs bad at 290 20 stolen bases so it definitely seems like a guy who could be 30 30 and hit for a high average get on base but right now kalenic hasn't proved anything on the big league level and even though his minor league numbers look phenomenal i'll i'll wait to see what he does on the big league level before i really judge judge that trade so even though van Wagen gets crushed for that trade i don't think it's as bad as we make it seem if Diaz can, you know, reclaim his career and go back to being arguably the best closer in baseball, I'll think we'll I think we'll look back at that trade and not think it was as bad as it seems. But I do think the canoe part of it is just absolutely atrocious. Now, now I want to segue a little bit and talk about that Justin Turner news because it was announced today. That Rob Manfred won't be punishing Justin Tur- Turner for leaving isolation after testing positive for COVID-19. I know a lot of people are upset about this. Justin Turner definitely shouldn't have been on the field after finding out he was positive for COVID-19. But I think also baseball is trying to say face a little bit because how was a guy who tested positive for COVID-19 on the field? For that long in a World Series game? How was it that he was on the field for that long? How did we not get the test back sooner? How did we not find out sooner? How was it so late in the ballgame that we found out Justin Turner was tested positive? It was like the seventh inning when we found out, like the game was already almost over. I think the baseball had a safe face here, and they really couldn't uh, you know, really punish Justin Turner because I think they knew they were part of the problem and dealt with some of the blame. I mean, if Justin Turner tested positive for COVID-19, would he have even been at the ballpark that day? I'm not too sure. And then we know, or we don't know, but I think it's very curious and very intriguing that what if the Dodgers lost that game? Would half the team have to isolate? Would the whole team have to isolate? Would you have to postpone the World Series? What happens if Justin Turner infects his other teams with coronavirus, his other teammates, I should say, with coronavirus? And now all of a sudden, what if there's only, you know, are they just going to power through and just say whoever's healthy is going to have to play this Game 7 of the World Series? Or are they going to have to postpone it? And so I think right there is where baseball said, hey, we take some of the blame too here, and we can't just say – uh, Turner's all at fault for why he was on the field it's mostly for his fault why he was on the field post game but he shouldn't have probably even been in the stadium that day at all if he tested positive for COVID or if he was positive for COVID but we didn't know the test came back positive until later in that day. But if we found out earlier he probably wouldn't have even been at the ballpark that day. So for a reason like that, I think Rob Manfred would try and say face for baseball. I think he also played into it a little bit that you know season was over. It was you know it wasn't affecting the it was still affecting the players. It was right there that day but wasn't gonna have any long-term effects for the rest of the season and also I think uh, because the Dodgers seem to want Justin Turner on the field I think because it didn't seem like it was all Justin Turner it also seemed like the Dodgers were the ones pushing him to be on the field inviting him to be on the field I think the Dodgers were also to blame so I think there's a whole lot of blame to go around so I think that's why Manfred didn't just punish Justin Turner I think Turner deserves blame And responsibility. The Dodgers deserve blame, have to take some responsibility. So does Major League Baseball Rob Manfred. So there's enough blame to go around. I think because of that, Manfred didn't want to drop the hammer heavy on Justin Turner and the Dodgers. Now I'll tell you which MLB superstar just became available via trade and why the Diamondbacks should go after them, but first, let me tell you guys about Bilt Bar because Bilt Bar is back and more improved and more delicious than ever before. Bilt Bar has 18 amazing flavors, but 6 new flavors, Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they're both soft and easy to chew. And the reason why I love Bilt Bars is because they're great for the health-conscious guy like me. Help me lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. And the bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, so it's great for that keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com right now and they reset their promo code for this relaunch. You get a free cooler while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. let's get back into it and before I talk about that trade target that I want the Diamondbacks to go after did you guys hear I want to talk about that Red Sox news I was talking about earlier because did you guys know Alex Cora is back with the Red Sox so AJ Hintz AJ Hintz Hintz he signs with the Detroit Tigers so the two managers involved in that uh, sign stealing scandal or back in baseball and Hinch is back with a new team, but is back with his old team, and I gotta say, I, I like the move. If these guys aren't gonna get punished, why shouldn't they be back in the sport? I think they were good managers. I think it was more than just sign stealing. I mean, House Cora made a lot of great moves in that World Series. He was pitching Chris Sale on short rest. He brought him out the bullpen for that Game 7 against the Dodgers. What he was doing with David Price out the bullpen, Nate Avaldi coming out in that, uh, you know, extra inning ball game. I thought, you know, he had some great moves. He, he He clearly saw the breadcrumbs of Craig Kimbrell just faltering. And as they got deeper into the postseason, he was less of Craig Kimbrel. And I think he did a great job of managing analytics with your gut feeling. I mean, a lot of times he would say, you know, screw the analytics. Let's go with our gut feeling and let's put in our pitcher on short rest because I think that's what we need right here. So I thought Alex Cora was a really great manager in 2018. The players really seemed to love Alex Cora. Now, the front office is where it's going to get tricky. Chain Bloom, the GM for the Red Sox, he made the final call on the decision, but it seems like it came down to another guy, Sam Fold. But ultimately, I think most people in the Red Sox organization wanted Alex Cora back. The fans, the players, everyone would have been happy for Alex Cora. Considering Bloom is on thin ice, not with probably the front office or ownership, but he's on thin ice. Well, he is front office, but so I guess ownership. But I don't think he's on thin ice with ownership. I think he's on thin ice with the fans and the ball club. After the guy like Mookie Betts it's it's pretty hard to justify that so one of the only things you could do to you know give yourself some leeway a little bit more confidence in your back pocket in terms of uh the fans being confident in you again I think it's to bring back Alex Corey he's a guy that the fans love he's a guy that the fans and the players respect and he's a damn good manager so I think at the very least or at least hiring someone who's competent and good at their job and I think the Red Sox could be back in playoff contention next season if they could clean up that rotation because it's absolutely disgusting. Uh, Verdugo is a lot better than I think people realize this year. Go look at his numbers. He was actually really good. I don't know what ever happened to Ben Tendy. He just looks lost out there. So I think it was a good move by the Red Sox. I like them bringing back Alex score and I think it could lead to bigger things in the future for them, possibly next season with Alex Corr back in the mix. But now let's get to what we really want to talk about, what the Dimebacks fans really want to hear, and that's who became available on the trade market? And that is Francisco Lindor, the shortstop superstar for the Cleveland Indians. And this guy, he I think, uh, well, let me see if I could find the report real quick as to why the Indians want to all of a sudden, oh, is this it right here on MLB? Indians have informed other clubs they intend to trade Lindor. This is according to MLB trade rumors. Bob Nightingale tweeted it first and it's just a surprise. He's been so good, but I think it's really because of the deal he's on. I think I, it looks like a lot of teams are just trying to cut payroll, especially in the short end uh, not shortened season. But because of the pandemic, the shortened season, because there's just less money, less revenue, I think a lot of teams are just going to try to cut payroll, really try to go under that luxury tax. And as good as Lindor is, he's definitely a guy that can net you some uh, cheaper assets and prospects if you're trying to get under the you know, under the tax and retool your team a little bit. He's a guy that can help out in that area. And he's a guy who's going to be up for that uh, free agent contract soon. Right now, I think he's, it says he's third year arbitration eligible I think for 2021 is uh he think I think last year's first year of arbitration This coming season should be his last season of arbitration, and then 2022 he becomes an unrestricted free agent. So he's getting paid 10.8 last season, he's getting paid 17.5 this year. So I expect that number to probably go up around 19 20 million dollars to enter 2021 if he's not traded yet and they go through arbitration. So a 21 million dollar number around that for Lindora is not you know insanely crazy, and he's a stud, okay. I think the D backs definitely use a short uh, upgrade at shortstop over Nick Ahmed. And this guy can do everything for you. He can hit for average. He's been a career 285 hitter. He can get on base at a pretty solid average, around 350 for his career. OPS around 833. He doesn't have huge slugging numbers, even though he's a 30 home run kind of guy. He's also a guy who can steal you 20 still on base. He's a great defensive shortstop. Been, you know, top 10 in MVP voting three times. A couple silver sluggers, a couple gold glove. Uh, awards as well so this guy's a stud he's love the league and run scored he could do it for you at the top of the lineup he could do it for you in the middle of the lineup and he's got that defense that nick ahmed has so if you're getting the same level of defense ahmed has with every with all the offensive uh ceiling and potential that a uh, lindor has that nick ahmed just doesn't have i think i have to look at my options i have to figure out how i could get lindor into my ball club and into my organization it would be tough I was seeing if there was maybe any prospect. I mean, the D-backs have one of the best farm systems in baseball. They have a top 10 farm system. So unload it a little bit. Go out there, get Lindor. He's going to be, you know, he's got one more year of this arbitration contract, and then he's going to be looking for that massive free agent deal. And maybe the D-backs want to give it to him by the time that deal is going to be ready to be handed out to Lindor. Lindor is going to be about 27 and a half, 28 years old. So you could give him, what, eight-year deal if you want, $200 million, and I wouldn't Think it would be too bad of a contract, so Lindor is the guy I'm definitely all in in. and hopefully the D backs are all in on him as well because the D backs definitely use some more firepower in this starting lineup. Now, that's it for this edition of the Locked On Dimebacks podcast. Thanks to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. Hope everyone is staying safe staying healthy. Go follow me on Twitter at CreativeThomas24 for my personal account at Locked On Dimebacks on Twitter and Instagram for uh you know the podcast account and don't forget to go to billbar.com use promo code lockdown for 20% off your next order it's friday so go back and listen to any pods you might have missed this week go catch up on all of them and with all this election and pandemic you know coverage and just situations going on it's a tough time right now in america it's a lot of anxiety so everyone just stay safe stay healthy out there and just you know focus on yourself and your mental side and just do what you can listen to these podcasts and get you through your day, and through your work week, because I promise you it's going to be better on the other side. Deuces!